this season has taught me so much about my own walk with Christ, uh, the different uh, areas of neglect that I need to attend to in my walk with Christ. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Have you, if you've noticed an area of your life that seems to be suffering, an area of your life that seems to be depleted, um, I'm recognizing those areas in my life and I'm saying, okay, I, there's areas I still need to submit to the Lord. There's areas I still need to press in deeper. Uh, and, and so I am grateful for the opportunity to have done that. And now I'm ready, Lord, for you to lift all this off of us that so we don't have to do it anymore. So I've learned my lesson. Have you ever been in that situation before where you feel like, I feel like God's teaching me a lesson and I want to learn it as quickly as possible because I want this to end as soon as possible. So if that's, if that's you, we're all in it together and please Lord lift it soon. Come quickly. Um, but it's good to worship together. I mean, even if just there's 25 of us, even if there's just, even if we have to wear masks, it's still good uh, to be in the presence of the Lord together and to be with you guys. Today's a day for joyfulness. That's really been on my heart. It's a day of joy. Uh, and, the, and the reality is that we're here because uh, specifically in our county, there's a lot of churches. In fact, Foursquare Church has got a, you know, a notice from our Foursquare president elect, uh, Randy Remington. And uh, it wasn't just to me. I know <laughs> like, I got an email from the president of the denomination. You know, he, he, he catches up with me every once in a while. No, it wasn't just to me. It was all Foursquare pastors. And it basically said, you know, as we are looking to open up, think about your own situation, your own circumstances. It might be that the government will say it's time to open, but uh, it, depending on your own circumstances, it might be wise to stay uh, virtual for a while. Um, and the reality is here in Lincoln County, we've had a total of eight cases. We have three current uh, current cases um of coronavirus. So that's the good news. The good news is that we in this county have praised God as that we have not been hit as far. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because there are, you know, I was uh I was speaking with the pastor at um Salem Foursquare, and they got hit hard and lost a few members, actually lost a council member. Um, and so there's churches that are suffering during this time, and we don't we don't want to take for granted the fact that God has shown mercy to this area. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, so that's why we're here. That's why we're able to meet. Uh, but the reality is also that the cases that we do have are disconnected from one another. In, in other words, they call it community transmission, which means that somebody got sick. They didn't know that they were sick and they accidentally, uh, inadvertently affect, infected another person. So we do know that the virus is here in our community. And that's why we're taking these precautions, social distancing, wearing the masks and um, not sharing things. And I appreciate your patience. I appreciate it because it's a privilege to meet together. Amen. And if um, if cases begin to soar in this county, we will have to go back to virtual only. So I'm, I'm very glad for this opportunity. Uh, and if you are watching this online and you uh, weren't able to come today, uh, partly it could be because we have limited space. Uh, we want to make sure that we're adhering to all the guidelines. So um, if you are at home right now and you wish you were here with us, call Debbie this week, call the church office this week and say, I want to come. Um, and I think we still have spots for this coming Sunday, which is Mission Sunday. And you can sign up for that and come. So we'll try to rotate, you know, so that people get a chance uh, to come. And maybe you can't come every week, but every other week or every third week, uh, we'll get everybody in here. 
But it's good to be here. It's good to be here regardless. I'm, I'm happy just to be here. Uh, and uh, I, I'm happy that, that we're all adhering to all of these uh, crazy rules, which I realize are difficult. There's a burden. But um, I was going to continue. I was going to end, actually, our series on exile. And I'm not sure if we're going to end it today, but I, I want to I wanted to kind of provide a wrap up. We've been doing a, a series called Living in Exile, where we've been talking about sort of being isolated away from each other, like the Israelites in Babylon. Um, and I was planning on preaching on Ezra 3, uh, specifically verses 10 through 13. This is where the temple is rebuilt and the Israelites see the temple and they rejoice at the temple being rebuilt. But it says that those who had seen the earlier temple, those who had seen 70 years earlier, who had seen Solomon's temple, wept because it was it was a far cry from what they had originally seen. And I was going to talk about how we're in a similar situation. There's rejoicing that we're together. There's also weeping, knowing that we're still in um, this period of separation from one another. We're in an in-between spot right now. But after I got about two pages into writing that sermon, um, God took me away from that sermon. So he began to bring to mind the voices in our community of people who are rejoicing and people who are suffering. There's a lot of joy as we come out of this lockdown, and there's still also a lot of sorrow. So I wanted to take some time, and we're actually going to take a moment here to share with each other and pray for one another where we're at. We're going to say where we're at, and they're going to do this downstairs. Um, and if you're at home, if you have somebody with you, uh, please do this with, with them. You can mute us if you need to. Um, but otherwise, you can participate virtually with us up here. And I want to ask an honest question. I just want to ask, how are you doing? How are you? How have you been doing? How have you been settling with this? We haven't really seen you for a while. And, and uh, I want to know how you're doing. If there's somebody who is struggling, if there's somebody who has fear, if there's somebody who, who has a need, we want to hear about it. And we want to pray for each other. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, well, if you don't know me, my name is Dylan. I run a grocery store down in Lincoln Beach. People there. Yeah. So uh, I've been working, and I have a whole team behind me. And it's, they're amazing, and they've done a fantastic job, and it's not been easy. Uh, there's a lot of fear out there. We have to deal with We've dealt with a lot of blessings. People brought coffee by, food for my needs, and amazing. Then I deal with people that are angry and fearful and lashing out. So it's yeah. an ever-changing regulations and rules. So it's uh, I'm ready for vacation. Yeah. So is my team. Yeah. It, 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 it's been hard. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for sharing. I think that it. You know what I've noticed also is that there's a lot. People are under a lot of pressure. You know, and it's not a, as much external pressure as it is internal pressure. You know, people are losing jobs. Um, there's a constant fear of going out in public and being around other people. And it's sort of like um, it's sort of like a, a pressure cooker. And you just sort of amp up the pressure, amp it up, amp it up, amp it up. And for people who are on the front lines like Dylan, for people who have, uh, are working at hospitals or grocery stores, you sort of get to be the person upon whom people unleash all of that pressure. <laughs> You know, and it's not you. It's not anything that you're doing. It's just the fact that there's a lot of pressure in the community and, there, and people are looking for somebody to release that on. And it goes on to the people who are who are out there still uh, who, are, who are doing the hard work. So can we we're going to pray for for Dylan, for Mari. Mari, 
is Dylan's wife. And we're going to pray for the grocery store. Um, is there somebody who wants to lift up? We're, we're going to lift up Dylan and Marty and the grocery store. And then also, if somebody else can lift up our first responders and those who are still at work, um, could we have somebody pray for them? Who wants to pray for the Smiths? Sylvia, you pray for the Smiths. And who wants to pray for our first responders and those who are still sort of on the front lines of the city? Can we have somebody pray for them? Otherwise, I'll sign. Yes, Donna, thank you. Okay, Sylvia, go ahead and pray. You're going to stay where you are. I am. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, you can stand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's stretch our hand. And if you're online, just stretch your hand towards the television. Would you stretch your hand towards the Smiths? We're going to lift them up. Go ahead, Sylvia. Dear Lord, I just ask you, Father, you know all things. We give you all the glory, Father, for yes. here today. You knew, Lord, that Dylan and Marty be here with us today in our family, in your family, your child, Lord. We stand on your promises, Lord, that you would have everything under control. So I just ask the Lord that you surround their their uh, business, their property, yes. their home, their extended family, Lord, the people that come into their business, Lord. Yes. I just ask the Father that you wash in your blood, Lord, cover them in your blood, Jesus, from the top of their foundation to the bottom of their from the top of the roof, Lord, excuse me, Father. From the top of the roof, Lord, to the bottom of the foundation. Yes. In their vehicle, Lord, as they travel through the, the county, Lord, or wherever it is that they travel, Lord, I ask you to surround their vehicles, their home, their loved ones. Stand, Lord, with your angels, Jesus. Yes. In front of them, the guidance behind them, the door, and the side of the Yes. And I just ask the Lord that you give them the words, Lord. That they will need is be these um, people that are in fear, that are uh, don't understand, maybe they have nowhere to go. So I just ask the Lord that you give them the, the words and the wisdom, the courage, the strength, the protection yes. around them, Lord. Every day, Lord, we know that you are in control, Lord. Mm -hmm. And we Thank give you all the glory that we're here today. Thank you. 25, 50, or even just one. We are in your presence. And I ask you, Father, like a, a stone kitten, fill waters, Lord. Let the ripples of the healing of this coronavirus go out, Lord, with your love and your healing power. And keep our county, Lord. And your protection, Lord, that the numbers stay down, Lord. And that these ones that, that contract with this virus, Lord, that you heal them, Lord. Mm. That you heal them from the inside out, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Let them mm. call on you, Lord. Let them whisper a prayer to you. Yes, Lord. And know that you will answer. That you hear them. And I thank you, Father in heaven, that I got to see my grandchildren, Lord, spend time with them. Bruce Alton, Lord, people were five, six years old, Lord, and he was asking me how you know. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And what he was asking, yes. Lord, he knew, he knew in his heart. And I just give you all the glory, Lord, that you give him the wisdom of your glory, Lord. And then he was Jade, I give you all the glory for her, Lord, picking up the Bible thank you, Jesus. And, and reading it, Lord. The prayers, your prayers, Lord, blessing her home and her family. 
eight years old, Lord. Five. I give yes. you all the glory for the teachers of our church, Lord, because that's where they've learned their Lord. Come in here and be your house and be your teachers. And I give you all the glory. For yes. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So Thank you. And on your promises. Yes. That you will heal and you will surround. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you. John, do you want to lift up our first response? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for. Father, I thank you that your kingdom voice is coming your will is to be done. I thank you for all our first responders and emergency services personnel. I thank you for those that you call, Lord. Father, help us to always keep in, in perspective. We have such a tendency to go into hero worship. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I pray that we would honor these people and mm -hmm. value them, Lord, and that we would always remember who are who are God, who are real heroes mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. I pray that you would be glorified in the lives of all your people, Father, mm -hmm. and that you would continue to strengthen those that you call that are in this, on the front lines mm -hmm. all the time, Lord, that you don't get a break. I thank you that in this area they've been spared a lot of the pressure that they've experienced in other areas. I pray that you continue to spare them, to guard them. But more than anything, I pray for the salvation of all you call, Lord, who work in emergency services and first responders, Lord. I pray that the things that they experience will cause them to seek you, Lord. And I pray that there will be salvations and, and lives changed through this this time, Lord, people don't know you would seek your face. Mm -hmm. And I just pray for your protection, continued protection, your continued will be done, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Is there somebody, one other person who wants to share a need or a thing that they've, yeah, Bonnie, go ahead. Um, I shared my thing on Facebook yeah. about. Um, confrontation I saw in Joanne's between two. One person was wearing a mask and the other person wasn't. And there was screaming and yelling and, yeah. and tears. And I just think it's important for us to know that right now is a very, very important time for us to bring peace, to yeah. witness. Yeah. Um, even if they can't see the smiles on their faces, let them see the smiles in our eyes. Yeah. And, and just being able to reach out and touch each other, um, not physically, but it's going to take more response from us. Yeah. You know, we can walk around with a sober face, but now is not the time for us. That we're, we're to bring joy and peace and compassion and love and there may not be a greater time in our lifetime yeah. to give this to other people and to bring peace that woman that was involved in that altercation she came back in to apologize for her behavior oh. I put on my mask and I said now's the time for a hug and I gave her a hug Sorry, but she needed it, and I told her, I said, "You're a good person. Don't let, don't let these types of things get to you. We're all on edge right yeah. now. Yeah. But we're really called yeah. to witness for Christ. Yeah. 
Could you, would you mind praying for that? Would you pray for just the peace and the joy and the hope that we have as Christians that it would go out into our community? Lord, how we thank you, Lord, even for the trials and tribulations you bring to us, Lord, because we grow. We, I know that I have spent so much time alone just evaluating my life and what I'm doing and how I want to serve you. And it's hard, Lord, when we're not able to uh, be with one another and reach out to one another, Lord. But there's so, so many opportunities, Lord. And I just ask that you would cause each one of us to reflect on how we are witnesses for you. Mm -hmm. How everything we do and say, and even our countenance, Lord, how we project ourselves, Lord, can heal, Lord, a hurting society. Lord, and I just ask that you would endow each one of us, Lord, with that compassion that we can reach out in such a way, Lord, just just to touch one another through love. Lord, I, I pray for that courage. I pray for, I pray, Lord, that we would recognize, Lord, hurting situations. I, I encountered today on driving out of the RV park, Two people I've never seen before, and I rolled my window down, Lord, so that I could speak to each one of them, even though we were at distance, Lord. And we need to go out of our way, Lord God, to just even do eye contact with people and let them see the smiles on our eyes, Lord. We just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Gird each one of us up, Lord, with courage and strength and the heart, Lord God, to be witnesses for you in this troubling time. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I say a little bit? Yeah. I came in last Monday and, and I saw Anna and Debbie, and I couldn't see the near, and that just killed me. And so when I went home, I think about it, I'm like, this is not right. You know, it's just blowing up our, I don't know, for me it's really hard. And I've been told I can't even see my own daughter because she works in the grocery store. Right. And if I go and help this, I help with the food packing, and I said, I can't do that if I go see if I see her. Right. So that makes it hard. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I understand. And, then, and I think that everybody in, in some way is feeling that same pressure. When you think about, uh, people who are in care homes right now uh, who have absolutely no visitors, absolutely no visitors going into care homes. Um, yeah. And you're talking about millions of people across the United States who haven't been able to see their children, their grandchildren. Our our baby, you know, is growing up and her grandparents, her aunts and uncles aren't even able to, they totally missed the infant stage, you know, and now she's, uh, and so th there's suffering that's happening, I think, uh, across the board. And I think that what Bonnie brings up and what uh, Dylan's experiencing is that the pressure that we're feeling as Christians, we have got to be able to tap into the spirit of Christ, which gives us hope and gives us peace and gives us grace for other people around us 
so that we can start to be the valves on those high pressure situations, whether it's in our own life or in our community or in our family, uh, we need to be able to relieve some of that pressure. So I'm gonna go, yeah, go ahead. Because then after that, then I'm, I, I don't know, God, you know, I'm a mother. And so I said, so now I go up to people and I say, God bless you, brother or sister, if I know them. Sure. And if I don't know them, then I'm going to say, have a good day and may God bless and keep you. Yeah, that's because good. Because to me, that gives all of them the hope. And I, I said, uh, I love you, brother and sister, to the people at the meals or meals, and it just made it feel so good. Yeah. So, see, I mean, you know. We got to tap it. We got to find other ways to do our, it, don't we? Our souls will take it if we don't yeah. do something. Yeah. I mean, just, you know. We need, we need that connection somehow. And good. And, and, and I don't like to see other people suffer. I hear you. I hear you. Open up your Bibles to John 15. That's where we're going today. That's where we're going today. But continue to be praying for one another. And we're going to give you time afterwards, too. I, I know you, I realize, you know, we've got a lot of people here and, and we want to talk. We want to pray for one another. So after church, you can hang out here or better yet, go into the parking lot, get some space and talk to one another. But let's go to John 15. This is where God led me after I started working on the sermon that uh, I was assuming he wanted me to preach. Um, and then he led me to John 15. And it's actually it's a passage that's also on our wall over there. In, here in uh, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You are connected to me. And if someone remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We had Mother's Day a few weeks ago, and I had the privilege of being stuck. Not stuck. Uh, the privilege <laughs> of being but present with my mother-in-law and, uh, and my wife. So we have two mothers in our household. And... Um, uh, so I, we, I went out and bought two bouquets of flowers, right? Because you got to buy one for each of the moms. And uh, the other day I, I went through and I grabbed both bouquets. I took them to the backyard and I started to kind of go through it. You know, you kind of throw away the ones, the flowers that are wilting and you, I consolidated, you know, made one fresh bouquet. And James was there and he asked me, why is it that some of the flowers are dead and some aren't? And I said, well, you know, actually... Um, all the flowers are dead. All these are dead. Some of them, it's just taking a little bit longer to show. But once you cut a flower off of its root system, once you separate it from its roots, it's it's basically it's dead. I mean, it might take a few weeks, you know, if you care for it, for it to actually look like it's dying. But the moment that it's separated from the root system, it's dead. When we disconnect from Christ, when we disconnect our faith from the vine of Christ, it's just a matter of how long it takes for us to go through the motions until the death of our faith starts to become apparent to us and the people around us. And I have been noticing during this time, watching as things kind of play out. And I understand when we disconnect from the church, we see our faith begin to suffer, don't we? It's hard. We want to be around other Christians. We want to be worshiping together. But I, if you have felt like during this time of separation from the church that your faith has died, I have a hard word for you. And that is it was already dead. And the church was just helping you limp along. Because for some people, the church becomes their source of life. Not Jesus, but the church. 
Not Jesus, but my own relationships with other people. Not Jesus, but my family. This is the same problem that we have when young people are just growing up in their faith. And their faith is entirely based on their parents, right? It's their parents' faith. It's their grandparents' faith. And so that when the relationship with their parents becomes strained, all of a sudden their faith dies. But ladies and gentlemen, their faith has never lived because it was never connected to the vine. It was never connected to Christ. And so I want us to look at ourselves, look at our faith. It's right to say that my faith has suffered during this time because I want to be around other people. But if you felt your faith die in the last few weeks, I want to just, just gently remind you that that might be because you have replaced Jesus in your life with something else. You've replaced Jesus with fellowship with other believers. I received an email uh, from a from somebody in the community the other day, one of these high pressure, you know, moments. And he said that the mainstream church in Lincoln City is dying. And he was very, it was my fault, uh, partly, as to why I was dying. And what I didn't say back, but what I felt like saying was, good, let it die. Let it die. Because you know what? Anything that's connected to the vine of Christ will live. And if our churches die, if, if our faith begins to diminish and begins to die, then ladies and gentlemen, it was not connected to the vine in the first place. And the sooner we realize that we're not connected to Christ, the better. Because then at least we'll know where we stand and we can reconnect to Christ. We can reconnect to the vine. But I think for so long, we've simply been limping along in our faith. Christianity has simply been limping along. We've had enough momentum. We've had enough going for us that we can sustain a period of coasting through the air like an airplane that's lost its engines, but it's just coasting through the air. We have enough built up momentum. And then at a certain point, the plane, the plane begins to slow down and you begin to realize that something needs to happen quickly or else this plane is going to hit the ground. If that's where we're at right now, I say good. I say good. We need to know now. We need to know today. People say that the church is no longer relevant, but you know what? Christ is still relevant. Amen. Salvation is still relevant. Amen. Eternity is still relevant. Grace is still relevant. Amen. So if the way that we do church needs to die, I say, let it die. If the way that we do church is irrelevant, I say, kill it and cast it out because Christ will always be relevant to the world. Even the failure of the church will not separate you. From the love that is in Christ Jesus. No isolation or quarantine or virus. Neither left life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is present in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. So if there is a time in your life where you have felt separate from the love of Christ, all I can say is you don't need the church. You need Jesus. And you need to reconnect to the vine. And if there's ever a point in our church or in the movement of the Christian church where we feel that we are dying, we don't need more programs. We don't need a better speaker. We don't need a new pastor. We need to reconnect to Christ. Because if we can reconnect to Christ, we will live. And if we are disconnected from Christ, it's simply a matter of time until we die. Until we show the death that we already have experienced. The church is sometimes like a like a farmer, I think, who's tending his fields, you know, and, and every year he notices that his 
produce is a little bit less than the year before until finally he, he realizes that his barn is not nearly as full and it's, it's going to take a miracle to, to see him through. And so this farmer calls up a buddy of his who works as a professor of agriculture, you know, at some university in another state. He says, come out, would you just come out and look over my property? I just want to see, you know, is there something I can do to maximize my, my production here? And so the guy comes out and he looks over everything and, and he says, well, I have some recommendations. He said, if you, if you started harvesting at this time of year, if you started planting uh, during this time of year, and if you, if you bought this piece of equipment and started using it, and if you started uh, going about the way that you farm a little bit differently, then next year you might see a better crop. And then the farmer says, well, I appreciate your advice. I really do. But this is the way that we've been farming for generations. And my family has perfected this way of farming for so many years. And, and I, I would just feel like I was abandoning my family's values if I you know, introduced some of your methods. And so the farmer goes on harvesting until finally he doesn't have a crop at all. And sometimes that's how the church is, isn't it? We have our ways of doing things. We have our tradition. We have the way that has worked for generations and generations. And when somebody comes and says, well, you might want to try a different method. You might want to try a different approach. Suddenly we become up in arms and we say, well, we appreciate your advice. But I think we'd rather die than reconnect to what God is doing. That's hard. But that's the truth of it. The church sometimes is more interested in maintaining itself for the sake of tradition than it is in rescuing souls that need salvation. My challenge for us today is to ask this question. Are we connected to the vine of Christ? Yes. In Colossians 1, Paul uses the image of a, of a body to describe the same idea of a vine. And he says this. He says, Christ is the head of the church. And I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a, a toe or an arm or a limb that has been disconnected from the head. Spoiler alert. It dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It doesn't work. I know the Adams family might have might have shown differently but in reality if you disconnect that is that reference too old or too young for you the adams family how many of you watch the adams family it's too secular for you i've i've come out as somebody who was the, they had the hand what was his name i don't know yet what was it thing thing thank you christy it's not like the adams family no you you cut a hand off of somebody's head you cut a hand off of their body and it dies that's what happens um, but the other thing about a body that's interesting that I think Paul points out is that a body is connected to one to each other. It's connected to itself. So if something happens good for the hand, it happens good for the rest of the body. And if something happens bad for the foot, it happens bad for the rest of the body. When one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And one part has joy, the whole body rejoices. And uh, that's how we are as a church as well. When one part of us is suffering, we all suffer with it. When one part is rejoicing, we all rejoice together with it. We're responsible for one another. I want to return again to this passage in John 15 and asking the question, are we connected to the vine of Christ? He goes on here, Jesus goes on and he says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And I think that we get caught up on the ways that we love one another, on the ways that we do church. I know that virtual church is not ideal, but guys, if virtual church is the way that we get to connect, I will go to virtual church. And there's an element of this, by the way, that we're gonna carry into the future because our methodology needs to change. The way that we look at how to love one another needs to change. It needs to meet the expectations and the, the requirements of today. We can't always be going back to the same old trough, to the same old well, when that well is beginning to dry up. So if we go into the future, we think about how do we love people? How do we fulfill the commands of Christ? They're the same commands. It's the same love. It's the same Christ. But how do we go about doing that? We need to think imaginatively. We need to think about things that need to change in the future. So one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to keep this. And we're going to, we're going to adjust it. We're going to figure out how to do this better than we're doing it right now. We're all learning. But we're going to do this more. Uh, our church attendance has gone up since the quarantine. Because people are tuning in from Washington and from parts of other parts of the world, from Brazil and from Colombia and from uh, West Africa. Uh, people are tuning in to this online. So we need to keep this. Uh, also, another thing that we've noticed, we've been able to engage with young, with youth a lot more in this quarantine process. If you notice that there's certain age groups missing in our church, we, we, we've gotten now a lot of kids starting to come. That's great. That's beautiful. We're missing youth. That's, a, that's an area that we're missing. And during this quarantine, we've been able to engage a little bit more with that. We need to increase that, not decrease it. So recognize that the methodology that we use has to change over time. But it's the same command. It's the same, uh, same given command by Christ to love one another. And I want to focus on this next verse. This is verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. Greater love is no one than this. He would lay down his life for his friends. I think of the, uh, I was watching this week. If you haven't, if you haven't gotten into this yet, go on YouTube and just watch. There's a few doctors in New York City that had vlogs, vlogs, video blogs. It's like a diary of a video. And they describe their working conditions, you know, goes through a week in their life of what they've been through. Um, and what it did for me, the way it was helpful for me is because I'm not a doctor. I have no connection to the healthcare community. So it's difficult sometimes for me to imagine what that's like to go through that. What it's like to go through, not just on my end where I might know one person got sick, but to be a doctor and see constantly people who are coming in and who are sick. So I got on there and I, I watched a few of those. And I thought about how our doctors, our nurses, just like at a time of war, we'd be talking about soldiers in the same way. At this time, our doctors and our nurses are living out this command. Dozens of healthcare workers now have caught this virus from their patients and died. They're laying down their lives for the sake of others, for the sake of strangers, people that they don't even know. They're laying down their lives for the sake of others. But the reality is that it's not just about physical life, right? There's other kinds of life. There's our emotional life and our mental life. And, and I want to point out, you know, to, to those of us who are huggers, and I'm a hugger myself, when you not hug people in order to keep them safe, 
you're laying down your emotional life for the sake of the life of another person. You're allowing a part of yourself to die so that you can keep somebody else safe. I, my, my parents, you know, my brothers and sisters, they would love to be at our house with my baby right now, but they're letting that part of themselves die for the sake of my children, for the sake of, you know, anybody that they might come into contact with. So recognize that you also have a part to play in this. Sacrificing for one another means sometimes laying down our economic life and shutting a business down, allowing your business to suffer, allowing your economic life, your, your viability to die for the sake of other people. And as we're coming out of this, I want you to recognize there are heroes in this room who have made sacrifices for the sake of other people, who have laid down their lives so that others would be healthy, so that others would prosper. God sees that. You're doing the work of Christ when you do that. That is what Christians, that's, that's the Christian intuition. That's the, that is what makes Christians distinct from others. That others see their life and they take a hold of it and they say, I want to I hold on to this as much as possible. I have to get the most out of this as possible. I don't know, if, if, if others suffer because of my life, that's their problem. I'm looking after me, myself only. And Christians come in and say, Lord, less of me and more of you. And Jesus says, those who want to save their life are going to lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And we give our lives away and we sacrifice for others. Greater love has no one than this, than that he would lay down his life for his friends. Greater love have you when you do that. So all that to say, I want to encourage you today. Stay connected to the vine of Christ. Stay connected and stay in a place of sacrifice. We have communion I want to take with you. Uh, you should have noticed a little cup uh, on your chair. We got these things in anticipation of this. Um, and it's kind of cool. It's communion in a cup. So there's two um, layers if you take the top layer off, the plasticky layer, then you will expose the uh, little wafer. And then if you take the little foil layer off of that, you'll expose the, the juice underneath it. Okay. I, I've seen during this lockdown, you know, I've seen the best of people. I've seen businesses going into the red in order to uh, serve children in our community. We've seen people sacrificing kids, writing letters of encouragement to people who are stuck in nursing homes, communities banding together. But fear is an incredible force. And it has a lot of sway over people's lives. It has a lot of sway over this world. And I'll admit to you, I'm not afraid to stand here as your pastor and admit to you that I have failed this week at times. That I haven't acted rightly in this season as I wish I would have. I wonder if you would also dare to agree with me in that. There's been times that my courage has failed me. There's been times that I've acted out of anger, that I've been the one exploding on, on people. There's been times when fear and not trust drive my decision-making. There's been times that I've hated my government in this season. I'll confess to you that there's been times when I've led allowed despair to be in my heart as opposed to hope. I'll admit to you those things. 
I don't take communion because I think it'll save me. I don't take communion because it's a ritual. I take communion because I need it. I need to, to drink and eat the body and the blood of Christ again. I need this communion. Because when my strength, when my courage fails me, I need the courage of Christ inside of me. The courage that that put the cross at the front of his face and walked towards it and didn't falter. I need his courage in me. And, And when I feel like hating people or things or institutions, I need the love of Christ in me. I need his love in me. The kind of love that that forgives even his murderers as they're torturing him to death. I need that love in my heart. When despair begins to haunt me, and I begin to think about all the things going wrong, I need the hope of Christ in me. I need his hope. That's why I take communion. Because I can't do that on my own. And if I don't have Christ in me, if I don't really have him in me, if I don't eat his flesh and drink his blood and have his presence come and dwell inside of me, And ladies and gentlemen, I cannot do it on my own. And I will confess that I have not lived rightly during this season. In fact, I don't think a day goes by that I I don't say to myself at some point, you messed up on that one. But when Christ is in me, when the forgiveness of Christ has covered all my sins, I can begin to lean on his strength, on his compassion when I feel like hurting somebody. On his love when I feel like hating. On his mercy when I feel like being bitter. I can lean on him. On his courage when I'm afraid. This is the blood of This is the body of Christ. This is broken for you. Would you take this? Would you eat it? Would you do this in remembrance of His body is real food. His blood is real drink. This is the blood of Christ, which is poured out for you. This is courage for the faint of heart. This is love for those of us who've been darkened by hate. This is fear. This is courage for those who live in fear. This is hope for the hopeless and strength for the weak. This is the blood of Christ, which has been poured out for you. Take it, drink it, put it inside of you. Let it sustain you. Let it be in you. Let it strengthen you. Christ with you, Christ before you. Christ behind you, Christ in you. Christ beneath you, Christ above you. Christ on your right, Christ on your left. Christ when you lie down, Christ when you sit down. Christ in the mind of every man who thinks of you. Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of you. Christ in the eyes of everyone who sees you. It's a prayer that St. Patrick wrote about 1,200 years ago. Now, brothers and sisters, I pray that the Spirit of God would go out and be in your heart. That the love of Christ, that the strength of the Anointed One would sustain you. That you would lean upon him and find him to be a sure foundation. That your faith 
would be ever connected to the vine of Christ and find in it everything that it needs to sustain it. That your love and your joy and your hope and your peace would not be yours alone, but would issue forth from the spirit of God into our community, into your family, into your workplaces, into your relationships. That the work that God is doing in you would begin to transform the community in which you live. Now may the mercy of God rest upon you. Now that you have taken communion, may God forgive all your sins. May you receive full absolution from the hand of God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. May the Holy Spirit come and dwell in you and anoint you and empower you. That the love of Christ might go out from you into this world. In the name of Jesus. Amen.